Hello and welcome to Follow Your Bliss, a podcast for big-hearted, deep feelers who want to make a difference in the world. This is your time to get motivation and momentum to do what makes your soul shine. My name is Jessica Flint. I'm a soul strengths business coach and social impact entrepreneur that has helped millions of people improve their life. And I'm here to empower you to become a badass success story because I know it's within you when you stop selling yourself short, stop waiting for the perfect moment, and stop letting the opinions of others drown out your inner voice. It's never too late to create a life you're excited about and love waking up to. I believe we all have unique soul strings that hold the key to unlocking our greatest success and are just begging to be expressed right now in this very moment. Now, this podcast features heart-to-heart conversations with successful authors, entrepreneurs, spiritual leaders, experts, and everyday all-stars just like you about their path to greater purpose and soul alignment. It's time to claim your joy, your worth, your highest soul expression, and your feeling of enoughness. Now, let's get started. Welcome, my lovely listeners. I am so excited for our guest today. She is a woman that I've come to get to know over the past few years and has just been such a bright light in my life to watch her be her authentic self online and show up and empower women in such extraordinary ways through her books and her writing and just the way she positions herself in the online world as her authentic self. So I think she's just such a great guest to bring on for the opening of Follow Your Bliss. And her name is Mary Jelkowski, and she is a podcaster, a writer, the author of the book, The Gift of Self-Love, is an international speaker, has been on TEDx stages, and is a worldwide retreat leader, and just an overall great friend to the people closest to her and sister and just amazing human being. So welcome to the show, Mary. Thank you so much, Jessica. You make me sound so good. You are so good. You always <laughs> just, you, yeah, it's been, I remember we were in a woman's business group together and I knew about you online prior and I was like, okay. And then it was, as I got to know you, it just took away all those, you know, when we meet people online, we kind of create some idea of who they are. We're like, oh, yeah. she's this, she's that. But it was just like, I really got to see the true you as we got to do our retreats together and just interact online. And so I just love what you've done. And yeah, thank you for being you. Mary, you're so beautiful. Thank Inside you. and out. Thank you so much. So the way I love to start off Follow Your Bliss is looking at your, each guest's soul strengths. And so you were so kind to give me your birth date, your birth time, and your birth location. And I ran a little uh, calculations in the back. And I have a huge long list here of your soul strengths. But I just wanted to read five of them to start off with. And as I read these, I want you to call out one that seems really juicy for you right now that you're maybe using a lot or leveraging in, in the work that you're doing, but just one that really calls out to you in this moment of time, in this part of your journey. So I just kind of picked these randomly because once again, you had a long list, but we have the mentor. We have the writer, which is also kind of the communicator, the community builder, the healer, and the non-conventionalist. Mm. So these strengths, these soul strengths, did these resonate with you? or And, and if one did, really what pull that out and let's kind of look at it a bit deeper. Yeah, definitely. It's really hard to pick just one. Also, I love what you're doing here. I feel like I'm also getting like an astrology reading and I <laughs> love it and geek out about it. Um, oh my gosh, I, I can't pick one. I'm stuck between two. Okay, do two. I love it. I'm Gemini. Go for both. <laughs> okay. Um, so what stuck out for me at first is the writer because I'm currently working on my second book and I have to have the draft turned in within the next like three, four weeks and I'm only like 1% in. <laughs> so definitely have to be buckling down and writing more. And the community builder is another another one that sticks out to me. 
Yeah. How so with the community building? Um, well, I'm going to be hosting a small birthday dinner at my place. And it's like the first time that I'll be hosting at my place. I also host retreats. So I just got off of a retreat and in May we'll be doing another retreat in Spain. So just bringing women together in circles and gatherings. Yeah. Just creating online communities and everything. Community has always been like a big core value of mine personally and for my business. And so hearing community builders, just like music to my ears. Yeah, you so have that in spades. And it's beautiful. Communities can be small, like you said, like a small get together. That's like a community, right? You're nurturing community in your local space. And then there's these large online communities, these people that you'll never meet ever, but they're still part of your community because you guys believe or prescribe to kind of the same mission or ideals in general direction. Yeah. What would you say is something that you as a community, like what do you what do you really love to connect with people around? What are some some of the messaging that you feel is really resonant with you and in your mission? Like personally or in my work? Both. I think, yeah, sometimes we get trapped into a thing like personally. It's like, I'm this, where it's like, I'm so much more than just that. Yeah, that's true. I like to connect around just big themes that we go through as women, like the deep emotional stuff. And I know it's like popular these days or like vulnerability has kind of been like a big thing, I guess, on the internet. And I, I don't mean it in like a cringy kind of way, but like, I just really, really love watching somebody open up. And then that moment of surprise where they're like, oh, I've never told anybody that, or I never even realized that, or it was the first time that I was able to put words on it, or I heard you speak and now I'm living vicariously through your experience and realizing that mine is so similar. So I just love that moment where you know, for example, if we're at a retreat and we're sitting in what I call a sharing circle, that everybody in that circle is just so incredibly present with the other person's share and experience. And it's like, we all become one in that moment. And that's what I love, you know, personally, if I'm just hanging out with my friends or my boyfriend or my mom, where I'm just like, so like engulfed in their story and their journey and and what they're feeling, you know? Yeah, I know <laughs> it's it's not cool to call yourself an empath. I have learned. <laughs> that was one of your other ones. I didn't say that. That was, was, that was also on your list as <laughs> empath. <laughs> empath is one of those things like old soul. Like you can't really call yourself that, but it's okay if other people call you that. <laughs> well, you have the wise one. You have the wise one and the empath. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. But just for the record, let it be know I did not call myself that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true, right? I'm an old soul. Love it. Whatever. I feel like you are though. I mean, you've done so much at the age that you're at. It's amazing. And it all comes from this very just pure place. You know, it's just from an early age, I mean, you told me a story, right? How you were in a leadership camp and what you had to do when you had to go into restaurants to, and this kind of, to me, symbolizes a lot about finding your voice and just putting yourself out there and being visible. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you remember that story? I do. I do. I think I, I did this leadership training program and it was so, it was such an intense year of my life. And I was 18. So I skipped a grade in kindergarten, I skipped kindergarten. So I was always really young. So I graduated at 17 when I was 18. Like I guess most people would be in high school, but I was already in college. And I signed up for this leadership training program with my boyfriend at the time. And it was really intense. It like made me who I am, but it also ended really badly and just kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. So it was one of those things where you just really got to learn to take what was serving you and then just heal from the rest, you know? So anyways, one of our big, I guess, assignments was that, gosh, I don't remember exactly how it went down, but I think everybody at the beginning of the training, they had to like set an intention and you didn't tell anybody besides the coaches. And so based on that, the coaches would give you a project or an assignment. And one of, and my intention was to find my voice. 
And so my like big assignment was to sing acapella. I remember this so perfectly because it was like handed to us on like these popsicle sticks. So it said, Mary, you get to sing acapella in front of an audience of at least 25 people and they must sing along. So you have to get them to, to like be with you. It's a leadership, right? Yeah. Exactly. So not only do you have to be heard and use your voice, but you also have to be heard in such a way that it's enrolling other people into your mission. Mm -hmm. So I was frazzled and it took me multiple iterations. It is Friday night. I'm 18 years old in downtown San Diego, standing on top of electric boxes, trying to sing because I was like, oh, the easiest thing would be to like sing to drunk people because they'll all sing along wrong. San Diego's a little bit schnooty and people just kind of (laughs) stare at you. And I was singing like Journey, Don't Stop Believing because I was like, everybody knows that. But I guess like most people know that song, but most people will very loudly yell, don't stop believing. And then they don't know the rest of the words. Um, So it was just like an epic failure. And because I couldn't go into a club, I was literally like in the middle of downtown San Diego, like outside singing to people in line. So that didn't work. The next, (laughs) it was Saturday night, the next morning, it was Sunday morning. And I had this dream and I woke up and I was like, I got to go to Walmart and get a sound system. So 5 a.m., my butt was at Walmart. I got this sound system with a microphone. And I go to the farmer's market thinking that there will be enough people there, 25 people. I can sing into the boombox and my voice will be amplified and everybody will sing along, right? Wrong. First of all, you need a permit to like be at a farmer's market and like perform. (laughs) So I got in trouble um, and got nearly kicked out. And I'm just trying to complete my assignment and like get it on video, like get it done and go. And at this point, I'm like, humiliated, like just so embarrassed because this was like so outside my comfort zone. And I swear that this was the moment that I stopped calling myself shy because I'm like, if I could do this, I could do anything. So I, uh, yeah, that didn't work out. And then there was somebody else like struggling with their project. And anyways, we're all helping her. And it was literally at the last minute and I didn't complete my assignment and it was due by like 10.30 a.m. And there was this restaurant at the hotel where the conference room was, where we were gathering. And my friend was like, why don't you go to the restaurant? Like the employees, we, you know, were there enough that the employees like knew and loved us. There will probably be 25 people having breakfast and you can stand on top of a table and sing. I was like, okay. And somebody had suggested to sing. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Mm, I love <laughs> that song. That's something, <laughs> right? That's something that everybody kind of has to participate. And here I am. And I think the whole lesson was like, I was making it so complicated. I was trying to be like innovative and like, not cheap, but like make it easier on myself. But in doing so, I was making it harder than it needed to be with my song choice and the boombox and the locations and like everything. Like I was trying to, trying so hard that it was working against me. And then literally I went into that hotel restaurant with people having breakfast, stood on the table saying, if you're happy and you know that, clap your hands. Everybody clapped their hands, got it on video, done. (laughs) So yeah, it was embarrassing. And also, you know, an experience, a learning (laughs) experience. But the third time is the charm, huh? It's that like resilience to keep trying, right? If the first time you're like, oh, it didn't work. Okay, the second time it didn't work. Okay, coming back at it again. What was helpful is that I was in a group of people who did not give up. Mm. And people, there was, I think there was 18 of us. And like, had somebody been like, I can't do my assignment. And other people's were way worse. Like, I'm sorry, but other people's were like really bad. Like my boyfriend at the time had to dress like a preacher and like deliver the soliloquy like a famous speech and and he has to enroll people by having like people sign like a petition it was like crazy Mm -hmm. that's Um, a little bit 
Yeah. Right. And it was just like crazy stuff and everybody had a different one. So mine wasn't even the worst. And I think being in a group of people that they they don't settle, they don't settle for less. They're going to do it. They don't care if it's embarrassing, if they have to try, if they have to cry, if they have to ask for help, which a lot of people ended up doing, you know, it was like, it was pretty life-changing. Yeah. It ties back to community, right? Who we surround ourselves with really determines how high we can grow, right? That, you know, we are the, some of the five people we spend the most time with and our community, I think can be that as well. Like the people that we spend the most time with. And so when they're pushing themselves, reaching higher, they can kind of help us get to that next, next branch, right? Just reach a little bit higher as you climb. So let's, uh, so we started here with kind of looking at you as the community builder and a writer, right? So you're coming out with the second book, The Gift of Self-Love is absolutely amazing and is in anthropology stores. Isn't that, I'm so proud of you for that. Like it's, it's a work of art. It's literally a work of art. Like look how beautiful this book is. And I love how the, the picture on it in the front cover, it just gives me this tropical vibe. It wasn't one of your first retreats to Indonesia. Was that the very first one you did? The, the second Bali? one was in Bali. Yeah. Oh yeah. The first one was yeah. Arizona. Yeah. And then when we just, when we started designing the cover, I was supposed to be heading off to Zanzibar to do a retreat there, but that was the day that the world shut down in 2020. Oh, I so that. yeah, but the cover inspo was definitely like retreat, you know, vibes. Yeah. Yeah. This vibe was just like relaxing into your body, relaxing into, like you said, we don't have to make it so hard, right? Even this idea of self-love, like, does it have to be so hard? Like, mm-hmm. to, But let's really start at the beginning of your journey because now you really are this woman who is a symbol for self-love, confidence, empowerment, and you build communities around this. How did it start? Because oftentimes, you know, in this journey we go on, it you don't just pop out like that, right? That you had to go through your own inner work to get to this place of being able to share this message. Well, I always struggled with body image growing up, especially in middle school and high school. And in high school, I had gotten really serious about dancing. I was, you know, doing ballet and jazz and Every day after school, I would dance, and my dance studio was on the second floor of this local gym that was really big into bodybuilding. And I think I'd walked in there before dance at some point, got a gym membership because for me it was all about like being thin for ballet. And over the years, I got really, really into fitness. And at first, I was juggling both, where I was going like straight from the gym to dance for five hours and back to the gym. And I was just getting really crazy and obsessive over it. And that's when my eating disorder, what I now realize was an eating disorder, was really at the peak. And eventually, that led me to quit dance because I think my ballet teacher or somebody had said that I was getting too bulky for ballet and I wanted to, you know, pursue fitness. Senior year of high school, I did my first bodybuilding competition in like the bikini division. So it was all about being as small and lean as possible. And that just really led me to spiral because from there it was like so much pressure to have like this perfect body all the time, even though I was literally starving and dehydrated and exhausting myself to do it. And so it was my first year of college and I did another show. And in between, I would always just like binge and quote, fall off the wagon and just hate myself. And then I would go in these like cycles. So after a couple of years of that, finally something in me just, I don't know what snapped. I think my low, low moment was when I was going to Food City in like the not so great side of town, just so I wouldn't be going to my local grocery store because I was afraid that people would recognize me. And I would go to Food City with like a hoodie in the middle of the night and I would be stealing food, like jars of peanut butter and like candy and like whatever else I wanted to binge on. 
because I, I like couldn't afford <laughs> my eating disorder. And no matter how hard I tried to like wake up the next morning and, you know, go to the gym and get my life together. And it was, it was just affecting every other part of my life. Like my apartment was a total mess, like disgusting after a night of binge eating. And I remember the same time I was taking a 7am accounting class and I had started taking so many supplements and stimulants and like borderline steroids. And one time I was taking accounting notes and I went later that day to like study for my upcoming tests. And I couldn't read my notes, my handwriting, because my hands were shaking so bad from just all the stimulants I was taking. So there were just like moments like that. And I would, then I would go through phases where I would just sleep for 16, 17 hours until a friend or my mom would like show up knocking at my door. Like, where are you? I haven't picked up the phone. I'd just be like trapped in my little apartment for days on end, just, you know, binge eating and hating myself and going through this cycle. So I decided that I probably cannot compete um, for that show that I was planning to do. And I, I think my coach's like girlfriend or wife sent me a message on Facebook and was like, Hey, I think you're really struggling and you might benefit from going to see this naturopath. Maybe it's something like hormonal or, you know, maybe you should go, just go see, go talk to her, you know? So I did. And that changed my life because I realized that yes, it was hormonal and there was like a lot of vitamin deficiencies happening. And also it was all because of what I was doing to myself. You know, it's not that I was binge eating because my thyroid was out of control. My thyroid was out of control because I was in this vicious diet cycle. So that, you know, that realization came over the years, but it definitely, that turning point was going to the naturopath and she had actually gone through a very similar thing in her past. And so it was, she just became like a counselor slash mentor to me as well too. Um, and that was very comforting. And then I ended up meeting somebody who was Canadian and I moved to Canada (laughs) which is wild, but I really felt like I needed to get out of my old environment and I took the opportunity to move. And I lived in Canada for two years and it was a big part of my healing. Uh, it was just, you know, being in the mountains and somewhere cold where I could wear sweaters and somewhere where I felt like the culture wasn't so focused on looks. Although I know everybody has their own experience of different places, but for me, Calgary was um, just, I think a lot more pr- grounded than the West coast of the U S you know? So yeah, that's like where it started. And in Canada is where I started blogging here and there. I was just really trying to find myself. I was still really struggling with binge eating and depression and just like literally not knowing who I was without fitness and going through these waves where it was, it was like full blown recovery. Like it was recovery, you know, waves where I wanted to go back and go back to old ways and start a new diet. And, you know, I remember I had these like weight loss diet pills in my backpack for two years. And I would just like hear the the pills every time I would walk as like mentally telling myself that like, you could always go back if you want to, they're right there. You could take one, you know, and I never did. That's so strong of you. I mean, it's also kind of when people have a hard time getting rid of the scale, you know, it's like, they know it's not good, but they keep there. It's just kind of this, I'm not quite ready to let go, but well, it's beautiful too that you mentioned the writing because that is one of your, you know, soul strengths and that what you're doing now. Was that something that helps you start to ground? And I know in the gift of self-love, you offer a lot of journal activities that people can do. Were you writing a blog, you said? Were you also journaling a lot at the time? Yeah, I was I can't say I was journaling for myself as much as I would like to, similar to now. Like I I feel like I think about journaling a lot more than I actually journal. But writing has always been a big part of my life 
just, you know, jotting down things, whether it's like a to-do list, something as mundane as that, or just little pieces of inspiration. And for me, it really helped to know that there was an audience, especially once I started being really like more open and transparent about my journey. And there were, even if it was just one or two people that were messaging me saying, wow, this is helping me so much. And I'm going through the same thing. Like for me, that's what really helps with accountability too, is having that community to write to. I'm a little, like, it's a little hard for me to motivate myself to write just for me. Yeah. This kind of give and take thing happened where I just started writing a blog into the void and a few people started reading it. And that, ended up motivating me to continue sharing. It can be really helpful, I find, to start to bring people in on like what your journey is because it gives you that accountability, right? Like you have motivation, but also accountability. Like when I started Recovery Warriors, which is a company that is a resource hub for eating disorders, I, by the very like nature of being the leader of that company, I was not going to regress back into my eating disorder because it was like everything I embodied and it was like the vision of the company was how do I get people to recovery? So does your vision start to be like, how do you get people or how do you become happy with your body and love with your body? Did you start first at like neutral with your body, accept your body? Like where was that kind of journey for you? I think I definitely was like trying to be happy with my body before I like found trying to love yourself may not be as supportive as just trying to like accept your body. And I think I I really started by just like talking about what I went through in the fitness industry and binge eating especially binge eating and, and weight gain, which is something I had so much shame around. And as as the the second that I started sharing that and the more I continued sharing about binge eating and weight gain, the more like all that shame kind of disappeared. And I stopped, I literally stopped binge eating because I no longer felt like it was this big, dark secret cloud hanging over my head, you know, the forbidden fruit. It was just like something I talked about openly. And over time, I just started binge eating less and less and it kind of faded away and same with the weight gain, like not saying that I, I lost all the weight, I didn't, but I just kind of leveled off and it didn't feel as dramatic anymore. And it didn't feel like something I was ashamed of, you know, I just kind of started existing in my body and stopped fighting it. Yeah, it's important to just allow that that to play out. I feel like so many people get like scared. Like I also had a history of binge eating. That was my, since a very young age, since I was five or six is when I developed. And it was just this... It was a compulsion, but it was so much shame. There's so much shame in the behavior. I understand the stealing of the food because you can't afford like the, and just all of the secrecy and the silent, like eating behind people's backs and eating your roommate's food or other people's foods in the refrigerator and having to replace it or not being able to replace it and just all that shame that can come up from all of that. Yeah. Did you find um, that Recovery Warriors was healing? Oh, it was immensely healing. It was solidifying, I would say, because I was already five years recovered at that point, but it was solidifying. Like it really, like there was no way I'd ever go back to my eating disorder, like no possible way. Like just, it just is incomprehensible at this point where maybe if I chose a different career path or I did something differently, maybe, who knows? I can't say because I'm not in that position, but it was something that really solidified my path because once again, if you're going to be in integrity as a leader, you have to be, you know, what you, what you embody is what you, what you want people to to really get on board with, right? With your vision and your mission. Yeah. It's kind of like positive pressure, you know? Yeah. I love that. It is positive pressure. (laughs) So then when you, so this naturopath, because this sounds like she was almost like the catalyst of your journey. Like you connect with this woman who showed you that empathy possibly, that you're okay, that she's done this before, vulnerability, it's okay 
to share what you're doing. And then you go on this beautiful sojourn to Canada and find solace there. And uh, when you started to bring it online, how did you know that you actually had now something that is now your a business for you and has become your livelihood? Like when did you start to see this as as part of your your mission or your like did you see it more as a business or just as something that you wake up doing that you love to do? Yeah, I think I I always saw the potential, even when I back in my fitness days when I was having like, you know, I had a fitness Instagram because I saw just how building an audience, even though at the time it was like 15,000 or so people maybe on Instagram. I just saw that how that could just lead to opportunities, you know, whether it was like working at an expo, a fitness thing, or getting like a, a brand deal or getting scent protein powder at the time. Like I always knew that that existed. And when I moved to Canada, I kind of fell off the face of the earth for at least a year. And it took me a really long time to start sharing consistently. I would kind of like pop in and out and write. Cause also at the time, like the followers that I had on Instagram, 85% of them were men following me back from my fitness days. And the thought of that is just grossing me out now. And it took me a really long time to just like transition to speak to women because yeah, for so long, it was just very much about my body. So obviously that would attract those kinds of people. So I went through so many phases where I, like, I knew the possibility was there, but I was so discouraged because I felt so lost in life. And I felt like my audience wasn't my ideal client, nor were they receptive to what I was sharing and just all of the things. I didn't know if I should just tear everything down and start over every single day. Um, did you, did you start a new account or did you keep it all under the same and just change the handle? I think I kept it under the same and changed the handle. And then I downloaded a really sketchy app that would allow me to mass block people, but it had a limit of like 100 people per day. So I literally had an alarm on my phone where every night at 8 PM, I would go and block a hundred people per day. So it was my way of like, cause I didn't want to get rid of those 15% who were women, you know? So I didn't want to like tear everything down. I, I don't know why I, I feel like I went about it the hard way, but I started mass blocking people to this day. I have thousands of people blocked. And I think at my peak in the fitness world, I had like 27,000 followers and I blocked down to like 14,000. Yeah. And so that started like shifting the ratio a little bit um, as I started sharing. And again, it was also just like really hard for me to find my voice and my brand. It still is, to be honest with you. It's an energy shift though, that blocking. It's like, I don't want people to be looking at me for my body, like objectifying me for my body and just seeing me as this like piece of meat that they're coming exactly. to Instagram for whatever, Instagram porn. <laughs> exactly. Until this day, I block people like it's my job. Like I feel zero <laughs> shame about it. I'll, I'll never block somebody who, you know, has a profile picture or they're kind or they're just following me. But if it's like really sketchy or spammy or like just somebody I know that I don't want following me, like I just, I just block them. Yeah. It's your account. It's your, it's like your personal space. Yeah, exactly. And energetically, it just doesn't feel great when people you don't want following you or following you, you know, like that's what I'm go currently going through on TikTok. My, one of my videos, it went vi viral in like New York and like a very small community. And just a bunch of these boys started following me. And I'm like, Ugh, like I just, I'm sorry. <laughs> like my message is just not for you based on what they're commenting, you know? So um, now I have to go through that same on TikTok, but I, when did I realize that it was like a business? I think I started taking it really seriously in 2018 when I I did a couple like group coaching courses and I think my first course was called like divine body love and yeah and I was still kind of like you know not fully 
acceptant of my body as it is. I think it was just like that phase where you kind of go through like, if I can just meditate my way to a little bit of weight loss or intuitive, do you know what I mean? When you're a little bit like there. So anyways, I only had like two or three people sign up for that course. And one of them was my best friend. So (laughs) that, but you know, I made like $200 and that was like, okay, well, like I could rinse and repeat, you know? So I did it again and it ended up failing epically. But then in two. 2018, like that summer, probably six, seven, eight months later, after I was really consistent with posting, one of my posts just went viral and it got picked up by Teen Vogue and a couple other magazines. And that's when things really took off and everything just started happening all at once. And that was the summer where I also went to Bali and I moved back home from Canada. And when I went to Bali, I you know, saw a bunch of people hosting these retreats and I'm like, I want to do that. Never thought I could do it, but I kind of just put it out there and a bunch of people signed up for the interest list. So I was like, wow, maybe I'm going to be doing this sooner rather than later. And then I did. So yeah, the retreats part, like it took a really long time to get people to commit and come and everything. But I feel like I'm just now getting to a point where like retreats are like a natural organic part of my business without me having to fight for it, which is crazy because I'm also thinking about like doing a (laughs) semi-sabbatical. So yeah, I don't know if I'm just shooting myself in the foot there, but yeah. And then maybe like two years ago, especially during quarantine, a lot of brands would reach out to work with me. So I don't know. I still struggle to say that I have a business. I don't know. I still, I still feel weird saying that. Like I feel like I've been on vacation for the past like 10 years, honestly. Like yeah. I have a business, I have like income statements, I have all, you know, I have all the things. Yeah. But it feels like the test in years, I'm like, what am I gonna do today? Eh, exactly what I wanna do today, you know? I mean, there's parts about doing this that can feel tough. There are harder moments of growing an audience, keeping them happy, uh, keeping yourself happy, self-care, all of it. So have you found that you've been able to balance that of like knowing when you need your time? Because the amazing thing about being your own business or running your own business is that when you need time, you can take it. Yeah. I don't know. I think I'm still working through that. When I said, I feel like I don't have a business, I meant it very differently than how you took it, which I love (laughs) because it just goes to show how much you're in alignment with my, with your business. I think I still struggle to call mine a business because I don't, I feel like I don't do just like one thing and like, I don't do retreats often enough to consider it my business or like, I don't know. Oh, I mean, girl, you got a podcast, you have your, you've launched your courses. Sometimes I feel more like a freelancer. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like I don't- Your own freelancer? Yeah. (laughs) You're like your own freelancer. Yes. Sometimes I literally feel like a freelancer. So I I get that part where I wake up and I'm like, what do I want to do today? Is today going to be a writing day? Is it going to be a content creation day? Is it going to be like a retreat focus day? Like, I definitely have that. But sometimes I, I don't feel like I'm at a point where I like- I have something and I'm like, okay, now I can scale and rinse and repeat. Also, this is all my own doing because, you know, me taking a semi-sabbatical after things with retreats are going so well, I just need new, fresh things. So, you know, these like very successful people in business who have been selling the same thing for 10 years, like I I can't even think, I, I can't even picture selling the same thing once or twice. People are like, why are you doing a retreat in Spain now if you just have done Costa Rica. And I'm like, cause I want to go somewhere else, <laughs> you know, even though I know it would be much more scalable if I were to go to Costa Rica every single time. You know what I mean? But that's following your bliss. Cause then you could bring someone who went to Costa Rica. Who's like, Oh my gosh, now we're going to Spain. Like, I can't wait to see Mary again in Spain. Like, <laughs> yeah. I think that's the beautiful thing. It's, I mean, no, you are totally the CEO. I think it's really important. Even if you're a freelancer to consider yourself the CEO of your, of your company. And, you know, you have a legally uh, organized entity. Like, so 
own it, right? Like own that's a, it's like a, it's an asset. It's an asset that you own. And when you can start to see yourself, you know, I like to think of CEO as like confident, enthusiastic and optimistic. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely doesn't have to look one way. And yeah, I think I just get a little bit frazzled with so many things going on. It's really hard for me to like hone in on, on just one thing. But that could be your gift, right? I think that's such a thing is where you can have this multi-passionate and have multiple retreats and be a speaker, be a writer, be a teacher. I mean, can you give us a little taste of what you're writing right now? Or are you allowed to know a little bit? Yes. Really? Yes. Thank you. Also, I feel like this is like a much needed coaching session as well. <laughs> I'm like, damn straight, um, be your CEO, girl. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, you are you. not a freelancer. <laughs> um, right now I'm working on a self-love journal. So we have the gift of self-love and we're working on a journal to complement that where something like a hundred days to self-love, although we're not like settled on that, but like little prompts or like, you know, food for thought or journal prompts or action steps or challenges, so to speak, in a journal. So that's somebody who wants to integrate self-love more into their daily routine and like a low-key, not super, you know, committal or crazy manner, but just like a little five-minute prompt every single day. Oh, I love it. Oh, and imagine getting through at the end and having it finished. Like what a gift to really show that like body of work. I really hope that, I really hope that there will be people who have it finished, you know, because I'm, I'm the kind that like I buy so many journals and I <laughs> don't go through half of them. But I really hope that this is the one that it's so easy and actionable and pleasurable that people get through it and and find little and big breakthroughs. Oh, I like that little and big breakthroughs. Yeah, I'm definitely a huge journaler. I was looking at it. It's so funny because you write for others. I kind of wish I had that because I write, um, I go through about 1500 pages a year of my journal that I don't even like share with anybody. So and that's it's just like, like all pages a day. No, like, wait, pre- that's yeah, like- pretty. I can do more than that. Um, depends. So if I'm going through like something really intense, I can do like 15 pages in a day. And then some days that's yeah. 1.1 pages a day. That's crazy. I love how you bust out the calculator. Sorry. I need to know. <laughs> such- I'm you're the, the scientist. Ki- the scientist was also your other Is story. it really? Cause I'm the kind of person, like if I need to know something, I need to know it now. Everything stops until I Google it. Four pages a day. I'd burn through your self-love. I'd be like, self-love in 10, 10 days. <laughs> 100 days, more like 100 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, that's so exciting. Oh, and the, like, the Gift of Self-Love is just a beautiful book. I imagine it's going to companion it really well with all the color and just the, yeah, it has a very optimistic just feel to it. I Thank you. We were thinking about like, I just found this out yesterday, so I'm super excited to share it. We were thinking about like inverting the colors. I kind of thought that actually when you were saying that, because I feel like it, if it was too much the same, then you kind of know where's my which one's which. But if it was inverted, that'd be super beautiful. Exactly. I'm so stoked about it. I think what makes this writing project different is that it's little excerpts. And by little, I literally mean like 300 words max per prompt. So it's hard for me because usually I'm my default is like 500 word Instagram caption. You know, it's really interesting how each one can stand on its own. And although there is like, you know, a common golden thread, it's not a novel, not that I've ever written a novel, but it's a different writing process, probably a simpler one for most people. And I, I definitely, it's probably easier than like an intricate novel. But I think what makes it difficult for me is that I put so much pressure on myself to say something really profound in 150 words and make it like change their life when really like it's it's not about that. It's about the small daily little things and they don't have to be revolutionary. They just have to be repeatable. Yeah. 
Yeah, I do these little uh, morning love note texts that I send out to my community. And sometimes I like the ones that take me forever where I'm like trying to be like so profound, like here's Titna Han and like <laughs> incarnate Jessica. <laughs> and they like end up taking forever. The ones where I'm just like, blah, 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 like just send it out because it feels like authentic and right. Yeah. Those would be the get the most reception. and Exactly. It's also too like getting down to less words just means more clarity and cons- like to get that conciseness is actually, is that a word? Conciseness? Cons- <laughs> to get be concise uh, actually can be hard. Like design, they say like, you probably heard this with world travels, like take the bag that you're going to pack and then take ha- half of everything out and then you're ready for your trip. Same with writing, like write everything and then take half out and then Wait, your book's ready. Or- I've never heard that. That is life changing. No, no. That's like a, oh yeah, this is like a backpacker, my old uh, former life. And so you, once I got my dog, I stopped traveling. Honestly, yeah. it was like dog. I we're like, it's, and it's not, it's, it's me. It's not her. I mean, I'm literally like, I can't leave her. <laughs> Can she come with me? Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, you pack your bag and then you take half of it out because you are going to bring, get things along the way that you're going to want to put in your bag, which is kind of like life, right? You can't just come in with this full agenda of what we know, what we're going to do. Sometimes we need to empty out and allow things to come in that we're going to be excited and filled up by. For sure. Yeah. And that's, it's the same with writing. Just take, I think I have heard that in writing, like take half of it out and being concise. And, and we need a word for that. We need like a noun for that. Conciseness. Yeah. Is it brevity? Is that what it means? Like brief, like straight to the brevity. point? Yeah. Yes. Brevity straight to the point. Yeah. Concise. Clear. That's beautiful that you're clear. Mm-hmm. Are we, we are just walking the sore eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Is it the sore eye or the sources? <laughs> people are like okay we are uh- <laughs> wait do you ever play the synonym game though no but i love synonyms i'm such a geek like sometimes I, it will be mid-conversation i'll say the same word in six different ways like a literal <laughs> source for no reason besides just playing the game with myself but i think it's just because i've forever been obsessed with like english and vocabulary because i grew up as english being my second language so i feel like i'm like forever compensating for that <laughs> <laughs> you're like your flashcards. Yeah. Because you just spoke Russian, right? That was your, yeah. where you were raised with speaking Russian. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so cool. Uh, I absolutely love that game. Should we say uh, love? Let's do, yeah, we'll we'll do love, synonym, show off. Synonym, show off. First person. Adore. <sighs> Generous. <laughs> Did that work? No. <laughs> Damn it. I mean, I'll give it to you. It's a great <laughs> word. And it's a way to show love. <laughs> Okay, I lost. That was a fast showdown. Um, You're good, girl. You got the skills. Okay. (laughs) We are getting to the end. Well, not really the end, but just of follow your bliss here. So I want to wrap it up with some questions here. Mary, what makes your soul shine? So this could be what what do you feel when you're doing it? You're most alive. You're in your zone. You just flow state. You're creative. You just Mm -hmm. time passes. So what makes your soul shine? I love... And this is a very great segue into that, but I truly love constructing a sentence in such a way, whether it's in speaking or written word, putting together a string of words that communicate what you need to say and land with someone in such a way that it literally makes them like think differently about something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, that brings me so much joy when I'm on a pod, when I'm recording a podcast and I do mostly solo episodes. So I literally sit here like this and talk to the abyss, you know, I, and something comes out of my mouth that just downloads. And I, I feel that it sounded powerful and I know that it's going to land with someone on the other side, or if the same thing happens when I'm hosting a retreat or if I'm writing and I just clicks, you know, that moment, like that makes my soul shine, my heart dance. I love it. So it's like writing, communicating, and just perspective. 
Yeah. Which, yep. by the way, your son is, I, when I was looking at it, I was like, she's like, I coined you, I wrote here, like, think different. Like, that was your, that was what I kind of said for how I, I saw that. So it's totally like new perspectives, new new ways of looking at something. And that's why I love words because language is the vehicle to that. You know, once yeah. you can put words to something or put different words to something that you've been repeating to yourself for so long, that's when you can really change your your thinking, your perspective, like you said. Hell Yeah. Change your words, change your life. Because our words feed our thoughts, right? Our thoughts feed our words, whatever. They all kind of blend together. But when we change those, we change, we change our life. What are three values you owe your current level of success to? Mm. Community is a big one. Connection. And mm, I'm debating between which one because I have 10. <laughs> I have five for okay. business and five for personal. So I'm like, which one do I pick? community connection. And I'm debating right now between integrity and freedom. They kind of go together in a way because I, it's out of integrity for me to sacrifice my freedom. So I will, you know, I I like to be a free bird. I don't want to do things that put me in a box and integrity is just meaning what I say, saying what I mean and, and living true to that. Yeah. That's a non-conventionalist. I don't want you to put your scripts and what, you know, your stories and scripts on me. Yeah. Yeah. Like when someone tells me I can't do something, I'm like, "Mm, watch me, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What is your North Star? So this is like your big why, your deeper purpose. So like no matter how dark or cloudy or stormy it gets, you have this like deep within you, this this North Star that you can follow and and your core values can be the compass that guides you to it. Mm, My little sister, Alana. Mm. Yeah. She, um, and when I say that people are like, oh, that's so sweet. And I don't mean it. Like I think about her every second of every day, anytime I'm putting anything out there, like it's not really like that. It's more like just underneath and the foundation, but I first of all, love her so much. Um, and she is so beyond inspiring herself and I, everything I do, I do for her, not in like a cheesy way, but really for like younger girls and and my younger self too. And just so that she grows up in a world where she knows that I'm there for her, you know? Yeah. That's so beautiful. I love it. Uh, sisterhood. Because there's, so, you know, I looked at your chart and you have, we have what's called the the midheaven, which is the point of really, this is our North Star. It's our Mount Everest. It's like, what is the peak? Mm-hmm. And uh, yours is Gemini, which is siblings. And she's a Gemini. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. So when you said that, I was like, I was, I wanted to kind of see if that would come into the interview because she really is at the top. Like she is the very top. She is your North Star. That, and I love how you, how you, you know, said that. And it's also writing and yeah. networking and communicating. And I can't wait to tell her that. And she is such a Gemini. It's like wild to watch her exist. You're like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. So she's definitely up there. She's, she's sitting on the top of your chart. <laughs> uh, how can we stay in touch with you and get our hands on your book or come to your retreats when they're open? I kind of like this, like, my retreat will maybe happen this year or not because it's a little more like scarce. Like when it does happen, you got to like get on it because you don't know if Mary's going to go on sabbatical. No, truly. And I'm not saying that as like a marketing technique, but um, right now the next retreat is completely sold out. And I don't know when there will be another one in this particular capacity. And I'm not saying for sure that there won't be, but I did promise myself that I would not plan another retreat because usually I plan the next one before I go into one, if that makes sense. So I always kind of have to have one that rolls over, you know, but this time I promised myself that I wouldn't do any more planning until I completed one. And just to reevaluate what that looks like for me. And if there's a way that I can make it more sustainable, because I definitely stress myself out and have a certain standard that I like at retreats. And and I want to kind of 
take a step back and see if maybe I could do more local retreats more often and more consistently or something that I don't have to fly across the world and plan this giant production for. So sometimes there's, you know, online retreats or some kind of online workshop I'm, I'm having or I'm thinking about, you know, hosting a little a gathering of some sort. So even if it's not like a destination self-love retreat, there will be something on at retreats by Mary on Instagram. And um, my book is available everywhere books are sold. Amazon is a big one. It's called The Gift of Self-Love and um, Barnes & Noble, Target, wherever you can Google it, The Gift of Self-Love. And I also have a podcast called The Mary's Cup of Tea Podcast. So that's been a big joy also. And yeah, hang out on the internet as Mary's Cup of Tea. Cool. And then when people go find you at Mary's Cup of Tea on Instagram, it kind of has all of those. Maybe that's kind of the central landing pad or your website. Yes. Yes. My website is incredibly beautiful. Um, and I, I feel know. like it doesn't it deserve the credit. It, it Great. Needs, or it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't get the credit it deserves because I hang out on social media so much that I forget about my website. <laughs> you did a beautiful redesign of it this past year though. Thank you. Thank you so it, no, much. It looks amazing. I'm like so thrilled by it. My designer, Ashley, just created because I'm not a visual person and she just captured me in such a way and I'm so in love with it like I wish I could get it tattooed all over my body or something because I love it so much (laughs) you should like uh yeah like get a like a whole bodysuit of your website imagine (laughs) okay (laughs) that's a new business idea yeah bodysuits of websites (laughs) (laughs) okay so one call to action for our listeners to take their next step towards following their bliss So this means following their heart, their soul calling, just the next step. I've had this, I'm staring at it right now, this quote hung up in my office for three years. And when I moved in with my boyfriend, it was kind of just here. I think he had thrifted it somewhere. It was just like here. And he was like, here, hang it up in your office. And it's been a placeholder for three years. I always told myself, like, when I find something better, I'll replace it. But I actually kind of like the aesthetic of it. It's a Pablo Picasso quote. And it says, the meaning of life is to find your gift. The purpose of life is to give it away. Pretty popular quote, Pablo Picasso. What's wild is that I always read that because it's right in front of me where I sit. And I never really knew what it meant. Because I was like, what is your gift? And then why would you give it away? And blah, blah, blah. And then today I was doing a meditation in my voice class because I'm taking this workshop. And you you just, you, see, you saw it right away, but it took me three fucking years to get here. <laughs> the gift of self-love. Yes. And the last line of the gift of self-love on the last page, the last thing I wrote and it was so satisfying to put a period at the end of that sentence when I finished the manuscript. It said like something about, you know, continuing to spread the gift of self-love. And so to me like that, and what's funny is like the title, like I, full transparency, my editor came up with it. There was a kind of, so it wasn't like this title was like living in my mind and heart for so long and I needed it to come to life, but it just was is so perfect between, and I literally just realized it like two hours ago of this quote, what it means to me and how it's been here in, in the background of my mind for three years. And then I came out with this book and even one year later, it still took me that long to realize that the gift of self-love, and that's my my call for your audience to follow their bliss is to continue spreading that gift of love, you know, to yourself and to others. Yeah. And finding their gift too, right? It's like, it's so beautiful. Oh, I love it. Thanks for sharing that story. And really, sometimes we're just sitting on the answer for so long until the clarity comes. Right. It's just there. And it's like, oh, and then the clouds part, yeah. the rays of sunshine and my gift is self-love. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That it rings so true for me. Most of the time I am just 
something is like right in front of you and you're, you're sitting on it and you're just going to figure it out on your own time. You just kind of have to allow for that and not force it. Oh, Mary, thank you so much for being here. Thank and, you uh, so much for having me, Jessica. Always amazing to connect. And I look forward to uh, getting the workbook when it comes out and sharing that gift of self-love. Of course. Thank you. Thank you for having the discipline to listen in. If you love this episode and know of someone else who is following their bliss, please share this show with them. It would mean the world to me if we can get this cause and message out to as many people as possible. So if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this show with your friends. It will totally make my day and I will be forever grateful for your support. And until the next episode, this is Jessica Flint encouraging you to follow your bliss and to unapologetically be bold, be brave, and be you.